Welcome to uh, what we are doing with HBC and in, in just enjoying the decor. And what we're doing at the end of tonight's <clears throat> will be a little bit different with uh, actually praying for Holiday Club leaders. This whole weekend, this morning and this evening, we were uh, commissioning and are commissioning our leaders. And if you don't know what that is, we're going to be praying for them, setting them apart, laying hands on them. We did that for some of our leaders this morning, most of our leaders this morning. Uh, a lot of the guys who are involved in kids' ministry missed that and are here tonight. So we are going to be praying for people at the end of the service, which is going to be really good. I encourage you to get involved in that. And just to clarify, you might not really know what HBC is. You've been maybe hearing that. you here tonight looking at all of this. Just to help you understand what's going to happen at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning is that uh, the door's going to open and 300 kids are going to come in this space where you are sitting here. And that is really exciting. What's exciting is it's our biggest holiday club yet as a church. And the Lord has seen us faithful to increase who we are ministering to as a church in our community. Uh, These kids, some of them are from our church who are involved in our kids' ministry. They are part of the families that come to Riverside, but many are not. And that is so exciting. And that uh, of the 300 kids, almost 200 families are represented uh, with those 300 kids that uh, are represented. They're coming from our community. They're coming here. And we are going to be uh, sharing Jesus with them. Because that is what Holiday Club is about. There's a theme, yes. Uh, There's a program, yes. Uh, but something that is uh, really in the DNA of what is our next gen and our next generation ministry here at Riverside is that children can get God. We don't believe that Jesus is an adult thing, but that children can understand and come to genuine faith in Jesus. Uh, part of the, the training uh, we guys were here yesterday with all the uh, the decor that you see and uh, just some encouragements and training was given to the leaders and uh, one of the things that uh, Jody who leads our kids ministry uh, she really affirmed is going one of the dangers that we can make with kids is use hell to scare them to heaven but one of the things that she was affirming is that we are preparing to introduce them to a relationship with Jesus And uh, we don't do kids' programs here. We do kids' discipleship. And so we are really, really excited that this whole week, everything that we're doing is set up so that we can build relationship, uh, lay a foundation, and introduce them to the person of Jesus and encourage them to surrender their lives and trust Him for a personal relationship with Jesus. 50 of our leaders... Young guys uh, in high school and university, uh, some a little bit older than that, uh, are going to be giving up a full week uh, to be here ministering to these kids. And it is so, so exciting. And it's just uh, an incredible thing that we get to be a part of uh, as a church. And I'm so proud uh, to be a part of a church that loves children and loves to release people to minister to them. And so if you are not yet excited about it, I hope you are going to be. If you've not thought about how I can be involved yet, uh, here's an opportunity. Uh, You can be praying. uh, You can pop around and visit. uh, You can, uh, I mean, Anik, 
Uh, just wave your hand. I'm just putting you on the spot. Uh, Anika's uh, doing snacks and helping with getting all of that um, sorted. I know that there's a few gaps there with needing people to pop down for a few hours and, and help there. There's still opportunity for you to get involved uh, if you have not yet. Uh, but we are just thrilled um, about what God is going to do and the faith that we have. And hopefully your faith is also increasing with what's going to be happening. And uh, with that in mind, uh, just a question. <clears throat> when did you become aware of your age? Uh, maybe it was this morning. Uh, Auntie Pat, you're laughing because it was when you creaked out of bed this morning when you're like, I'm old. You, just, you, know, you turn and it just like clicked all the way up your back. Uh, I, I love talking to my son because he has just no concept of, of age and what age means. But when did you become aware of your age? I think, uh, I mean, during high school, I tried to get into movies that were over my age restriction and got blocked there one or two times. But I think the time when I became most aware of my age was the first day of matric. And how it worked is, at least on the first day of matric, we all had to say our names and our ages for the class register. And the guy that I was sitting next to, I don't know... We had still those double desks that were at the angle that had the, the flip. So there were two of us sitting on the one desk, and the, the guy sitting next to me, his name was Chris. He went first, and he said, my name is uh, Chris, and I'm 21. And I went next, and I was just thinking, like, all the color drained from me. My name is Craig, and I'm 16. And there was just like this raucous lot. I was 16 on the first day of my trick, sitting next to a 21-year-old. And became quite aware of the limitations and the restrictions that my age was putting on me. Because everybody else in my grade had their learners. Some of them had their learners from, uh, you know, grade eight, uh, with the guy sitting next to me. Guys had their drivers, were mobile, were getting around to things. Well, I was still 16. And uh, that was uh, rubbed quite in my face. And I just wanted out of my trick. I'd never really worried so much about my age, but the insecurity and the restrictions that that put on me became really evident, and I was just wishing and wishing that time away. I wonder, uh, you know, we're quite a mixed crowd here tonight, but I wonder how many of you have felt the restrictions of your age on both sides, because you can't do what you used to be able to do 20 years ago. Here's a, maybe a quick uh, poll. How many of you wish you were older? No one putting their hands up. Uh, how many of you wish you were younger? A number of hands going up. And uh, I really remember genuinely wishing the time away when I was in high school, wishing away uh, my youth because of the restrictions, not being able to get to places. And, and I know the frustration that comes with that. And we're doing a series uh, all about get real. And we're doing a series about the masks that people wear and the masks that people hide behind. And last week we were introduced to the mask of religion. And this week I want us to uh, look at the mask of age. And with age, uh, think of the mask of insecurity. Uh, the mask of, uh, I'm not good enough. Because so often... You know, maybe with age we go, I wish 
I was older. I wish I had my driver's license. I wish I had my degree. I, I wish I had my freedom. And, and we have all of this wishing uh, to be away with these restrictions. But there's kind of a flip side to that because it's something that we can hide behind when the pressure's on us to maybe perform. We go, I'm actually a bit young for that. Or I'm not qualified enough for that. Uh, I don't have enough experience to do that. And we uh, can put on this mask and, and, and we can hide behind. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard in a church context. You know, well, I, I don't share my faith because I'm not qualified enough as a believer to do that kind of ministry. I've only been a Christian so long. I don't have the knowledge to tell people in my office about Jesus. You know, I, I can't tell people my testimony because you, you, you do that. You've studied. You've got the qualifications. And we can use that as this way to kind of protect ourselves uh, from risking uh, anything from the kingdom because we can hide behind this thing of going, well, that somebody who is more qualified than me can do that. Someone who has more experience than me can do that. Someone who is older than me can do that. Someone who has been a believer longer than me can do that. And we can dismiss everything that the Lord has called us to in the name of insecurity or lack of qualification or lack of age. And hopefully tonight you're going to be encouraged uh, to think differently about where you're at. And because if you're young in your faith, hopefully you're going to be encouraged. And if you're young, hopefully you're going to be encouraged. And if you are old in your faith, hopefully you're going to be encouraged because there are people around you who are young and young in their faith. And so the character that we're going to look at tonight who struggled with this is a young guy in the Bible called Timothy. And if you have Bibles here tonight, get there. We're going to be flipping uh, between passages in 1 and 2 Timothy. Timothy was a young guy, really young. In fact, uh, it's argued that at the writing of the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy, he was as young as 16 years old. And uh, the letters in your New Testament titled 1 and 2 Timothy were personal letters written by a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. Uh, Apostle is his title, not his first name. Uh, Paul, and uh, he, uh, just an incredible man who uh, just took the gospel uh, to most of the known world in his lifetime and, and preached the gospel to his generation and achieved uh, incredible things for the Lord. But one thing he did was invest himself in the lives of other people. And throughout his life, he invested large amounts of time in people. And Timothy was one of the people that he really did invest a lot of himself, a lot of time in. Uh, Timothy was a companion of Paul. Uh, Paul trusted Timothy. Uh, so much so that uh, Paul uh, left Timothy in charge of a church plant that he started in a bustling little town called Ephesus. And there, again, a New Testament letter titled Ephesus, it was Timothy who ended up being uh, the pastor of this church. Young pastor, 16 years old, uh, arguably. And that came with some insecurities. He, Timothy did battle with the responsibility and the load of leading a church. I can imagine, so, uh, I was 20 and at my first pastorate. 
And I remember one Friday afternoon, a knock on the church door and I opened it up and I said, hi, can I help you? And uh, the, the, the guy there said, I'd like to see a pastor, please. And I said, yeah, sure, come to my office. And the guy was like, no, no, uh, I want to see the pastor. And I, I know I, I've changed a bit since then. It was in Cape Town, so I didn't have shoes, board shorts, and I was wearing a vest. Uh, it was a hot Friday afternoon. I didn't expect anyone to be there. I was just kind of doing some sermon prep. And the guy was arguing with me. It's like, surely there is someone older than you that I can see. I was like, my man, it's me. And uh, he was at the door. And I was like, look, you want to see a pastor, Amit, or I can send you to another church. Uh, and eventually I coaxed the guy in, but he was very apprehensive uh, to see this barefoot guy in a vest. Um, but I can understand that Timothy battled with some insecurities that came with his age. And I know that there are many of us here tonight that have used that as an excuse. And I say excuse gently, but we've worn the mask I'm not going to do this for my faith because I'm not qualified. I'm too young. I'm too immature. And hopefully, as you look at the encouragements that Paul gives young Timothy, you're going to be encouraged to take off that mask and no longer hide behind those things. All right, so dive in with me. The first bit of encouragement comes from 1 Timothy 4 verse 12. And these, and remember, this is a personal letter to Timothy. And so take these as a personal encouragement as well to yourself. And so the first verse, 1 Timothy 4.12 is, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for all the believers in speech, in uh, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set the example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. If you'd like to take notes and follow some of the structure that we use, uh, the first thing that uh, Paul encourages Timothy to do is to embrace uh, the character curve. The incredible thing about the kingdom is age doesn't matter. While the world puts uh, very important restrictions to age, uh, like I'm glad it's only 18 when you can drive and buy a gun and, and those kind of things. There's some good legal uh, restrictions in place. There are no restrictions when it comes to the kingdom. Age is uh, just a number. Uh, we love that when you get as old as me that you kind of like to forget how old you are getting. But age matters nothing when it comes to being used by God. While the world will look at you and have moments when you get asked, well, how old are you? Paul understands that tension with Timothy. But one thing that is going to supersede your age, it's going to be your character. And people are not going to question your age when they understand and experience the character that you have. And that's why Paul is coming so strong and encouraging him in these areas of his life. This is a character thing. Competency is important, and we've seen so many young people with incredible competency. We're a church that is exploding with young people with competency. And we're so, so thankful that the Lord blesses us with that. But we also experience uh, Jim Collins. He's a, a leadership expert, and he studies like the top 500 companies in America. 
and uh, he has looked at what uh, keeps people and leaders at the top of their game for such long periods of their lives. And the one top thing that keeps them, he calls it like level five leadership, your top, top areas of leadership. And what sets people apart is their character. Uh, Craig Rochelle, a pastor in the States, he made this statement. He said, competency gets you to the top, character keeps you at the top. And, and, and this is his encouragement to Timothy. If people are going to be questioning you, your age, if they're going to be looking down at you, what's going to prove them wrong is your character. And that's going to set you apart. And this is so important that if you want to be used by God, if you don't want people to look down at you or question you or dismiss you because of your age or, or your abilities or if you don't fit the profile of somebody who should be used by God, it's going to be your character that proves them wrong. And he mentions a couple of things. Speech. So important to be guarding what we're saying and just speaking such gracious words always to people. Conduct. Uh, love, faith, and purity. I think this is uh, something that's really rocking the church at the moment is, is purity. And there's such a strong call for all believers to really take purity seriously. Uh, because purity is definitely going to undermine our ability uh, to be used by the Lord. Uh, not completely disqualified, but if, if people are going to question your character, we need to be guarding um, ourselves so much in this. In fact, Paul takes this quite seriously in writing to young Timothy that he mentions this again in 2 Timothy. And again, the references will come up, but if you are writing this down, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And it's flee. Strong language. He's so concerned about young Timothy's character uh, that even when he's strong in other areas, especially when it comes to sexual temptation, to flee that because he wants his character protected. Uh, if you think of Solomon in the Old Testament, um, he just to paraphrase uh, what he writes, uh, he experiences everything. Literally, he lives the life that is a dream of so many people. Uh, wealth, every kind of pleasure he uh, got to enjoy. And he reflects at the end of his life. And he goes and he says this, just remember the creator in your youth. Uh, so important uh, to be thinking about character even when we are young. And just something to think about in this uh, is when we're young, we dream a lot. Uh, we think so much about the future. Uh, some of you still do that. And we dream about what the next few years are going to hold for us. Uh, we uh, dream about what it's going to be like when we finish school. We dream about what it's going to be like uh, to have our degree. We dream about marriage. We dream about uh, the future and, and, and what it's going to be like. And something that I, I just put down here is I, I wonder how many of us dream about what God's going to do with us in his kingdom. And we wish so much of our lives away by thinking too far into the future. And specifically for HBC leaders that are here, what dreams are you bringing before the Lord for this week? What dreams are you bringing before him? In your imagination, are you just seeing children in their hundreds coming to faith? People actually getting Jesus. 
Anyway, sorry, that's a little bit of a sidebar, but I want to make sure that I got that in there. This is embrace your character curve. The character's going to always trump your age. And then uh, the second thing that he says in his encouragement to Timothy is embrace a firm foundation. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 6 says, If you point these things out to your brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Uh, A foundation is so important uh, because a foundation, uh, what a foundation does is it creates the capacity and the size for a building. Uh, foundations are so important. Uh, nobody comments on how good a foundation of a building is. You just look at the size of the building or the exterior, how, how well it's built. But a building is only as good and secure as its foundation. We used this example this morning. Uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa is an incredible example. They never built it to be a leaning tower. They built it to be a straight tower. But because the foundations were incorrect and not sufficient, the building began to tilt. And what the builders didn't do was uh, deconstruct, relay the foundation, and start again that it can be a secure, strong building. So many times people uh, fall away from the faith because they weren't given a secure, solid foundation on the truths of the Lord. And again, this is why Holiday Club is so important. Some children, because of their age, the concept of putting your faith and trust in something other than yourself is foreign. Uh, uh, Cognitively, they're not there yet. But very specifically for those age groups, we are trying to lay a solid foundation that the penny will drop and they will go, yes, Jesus. And it's so important for all of us to also be aware of that. One of the things that limits us in our faith is we haven't been given a solid foundation. We're still in, unsure and insecure about our love for the Lord, or his, rather his love for us. Did he really forgive me? Uh, you know, is he that gracious? Things like that. Well, as I continue, it's so many different things. It's just a, this insecurity about uh, who he is. You know, uh, guys who've been believers for a long time, I don't know where that is in the Bible. I said, why are you reading your Bible? The answer is, I don't really know. But here's what I want to encourage you with. And just two things on this quickly. Is if you are unsure about your foundation, that you go, I can't because I don't know enough. Are you reading scripture? And if not, I encourage you to start. Man, there's some great introduction uh, tools to help you do that. There's a thing called YouVersion. It's a free app to download, and, and they have Bible reading plans to kind of help uh, kind of kickstart you into reading Scripture on a regular basis and kind of give you a bit of an understanding of it. Uh, there's Christian bookshops that have got a section on, on, on books that can help you understand uh, and, and plans to help you read Scripture. Uh, and there's introduction books to kind of help you. We've got a full library where you can start getting a foundation. We have what we call life groups. 
really important to us, which is relational communities that meet midweek, that unpack the sermons that we preach on a Sunday a bit more. Uh, I, I love what Proverbs says, is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's what happens there, praying for each other, encouraging, equipping, strengthening. Uh, that will help you with your foundation. If you're not part of a life group, come and speak to me. I can give you, uh, show you to our website where you can get linked into that. And if you are secure in your foundation, there are many people who are not. And so make yourself available. I often have people coming to me saying, Craig, are there older believers who can help me? And I can say, yeah, I know a number. Let me introduce you to some and make yourself available for that. Uh, then what uh, Paul encourages young Timothy to do is embrace his calling. Two passages or two verses where Paul speaks to this is 1 Timothy 1.18. says, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you might fight the battle well. That was in his first letter of encouragement. Just in Timothy's life, from a young age, God had kind of set him apart for this and, and God's really invested in his life. And then 2 Timothy 1.16, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Just there was this encouragement in Timothy from a young age, kind of set apart. Uh, There's prophecies made about him, uh, just gifting that uh, was evident in his life. Uh, and love the image, fan into flame, because even for many of us, there's days where we don't feel like loving Jesus. Uh, we don't feel like always doing ministry, even for those who are in ministry, and even uh, for the guys that are doing holiday club. And if you've done it before, it's very draining. Remember, uh, for the, some of you guys who might not be aware, this is day one. Tomorrow is the first day of school holidays. And so we've got high schoolers who've just finished their June exams. And they've been studying and grafting for six months this year. And they're going straight into a week of serving children. Guys have just finished their varsity exams. Uh, some people are taking leave from work to do this. And we commend them for what they're doing. But they're going to get tired. And you are going to get tired. But remember the calling which Jesus has given you. And uh, I love this. And I also want to very specifically encourage the uh, Holiday Bible Club leaders in this. If you're not aware yet, as the leadership of this church, we have released you to preach the gospel. You might not have heard a specific calling from the Lord by the laying on of hands and some audible thing that you must tell children about Jesus. God has made it very clear in his word that every single believer carries in them the reconciliatory work of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us who have come to faith in Jesus were dead in our sin but are now alive in Christ. And we have been set uh, by Jesus to go make disciples of all nations. We don't need anything uh, more clear than that to go and tell people. And uh, we... And all of you who are leaders have been set free to speak the words to children and to tell them about what Jesus has done. And if you are feeling tired, if you are struggling, don't be ashamed to tell people that you're struggling and pray and ask them to pray for a fanning up of the flame again so that you can be fired up and pumped up for the work of Jesus. And again, I'm I'm going to pray for all of us at the end, but I'm specifically in the end going to pray for all of us that that would be true for us. If you have been feeling on the kind of the, 
the low temperature side of things about being used by God, I pray that you trust him, that it will be fanned into flame, that you yourself will also be as intentional uh, about what God has called you to as it is with the holiday club leaders. And then the last thing he encourages is embrace a shaping community. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of uh, because uh, you know those from whom you learnt it. And 2 Timothy 2.2 2, And these things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses uh, and trust uh, to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is so important uh, that we understand uh, the need for people to be in community. Uh, this is not an isolated thing. On Thursday night, uh, we are having an event where the parents are coming uh, to see what Holiday Club is doing. And we are going to be preaching at that event so that the parents as well can hear. Uh, because we want to be reaching uh, our whole community and bringing them into community. Uh, it's quite important for us uh, because we can't do this alone. Uh, there is a quote that I read from a book called Leadership Next. The author of the book is Eddie Gibbs. And it's quite a jolting quote. And he says this, uh, the church is always one generation away from ceasing to exist. If we do not bring and preach the gospel and bring the next generation into this community or into any community of faith, the church will die. I think the stat in the UK, at least with Anglican churches, uh, this is where the stat came from, is they're averaging 2,000 churches a year are closing. The reason being they failed to reach the next generation for Christ. That they did not see a need in taking the gospel to the next generation. In fact, in our South African context, most people who come to faith in Jesus Christ come to faith before the age of 13. A holiday club is to kids uh, from 6 to 13. This is the significance of what we're doing. And again, this is like a cycle. Uh, and it's something that the church has to be deliberately engaged in. Preaching the gospel to the next generation. Teaching them God's word. Giving them a firm foundation. Empowering them in their identity in Christ. Uh, helping them understanding that the calling they've received. And, and, and just again, uh, shaping them in community so that the cycle continues and continues and continues. So that everyone is reaching out to the next generation. I love this thing, uh, if you can just think of counting, one, two, three. Everybody should be uh, a Timothy who has a Paul, uh, that's one. Having a, a, someone who is very specifically discipling you in your faith, an older, more mature believer of the same gender as you. A Timothy and a Paul, that's one. And then number two is that everybody should have uh, two peers that you are, are running this race of faith alongside who are encouraging you and holding you up. Uh, and then the number three is that there are people younger than you who you are uh, investing your faith into, who you're multiplying yourself into, that you're establishing a firm foundation with, who you are helping understand their calling and their character and just reaching out to them and raising them up in their faith. As a church, we're quite concerned with the next generation. I hope you kind of pick that up in the sermon. 
but I don't want this and we don't want this to be a burden that's held only by the leadership of this church. We'll never succeed unless as an entire church we're invested in the next generation. As an entire church, we are understanding how we need to be multiplying ourselves through discipleship into people younger than us. Younger than us in age and younger than us in our faith. You can be really good at that if you hear the encouragement from Paul and take off your mask of insecurities and inadequacies and lack of qualifications and engage in a maturing process so that you can be great at multiplying yourself into other people. How do you know if you can? Do you know something about Jesus? If the answer is yes, you can. Just teach them that. And then what you learn, just teach and multiply and and pass on and get involved. All right, I want to pray for our leaders. Um, So uh, if uh, those of you who are here tonight and you're involved in HBC, come in up here at the front so we can pray for you. Just a a very specific word from me personally for you guys um, with what's happening tomorrow and the rest of the week. Actually, again, coming out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is a sports theme, and uh, Paul writes this to Timothy. Uh, he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Again, just the reminder that even though it's a sports theme, uh, sports holds value for a short time. In the middle of the Soccer World Cup and some of the greatest players ever to play the game are going to be forgotten about at the end of this tournament because something as big as the Soccer World Cup only has some value but godliness, faith in Jesus Christ has value in this life and for the life to come that's the significance of our holiday club, that's the significance of what we are doing with these kids uh, church stand let's uh, stretch our hands towards them and pray in faith with me Uh, that God would use them mightily in the preaching of the gospel so that children will come to a genuine saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the prayer of faith that we are praying.